Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today is April 19th. Welcome to the Agnes Daily Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Delaney Howell, and joining me is my co-host, Mike Pearson. Mike, what do you know today? Oh, howdy, Delaney. I know that the dandelions are starting to pop up in my lawn, so war is about to begin. Mm. I hate dandelions. I think we should... uh... You should take a selfie video of you trying to spray off all the dandelions. I imagine you in like a stained wife beater with like some holy sweatpants running around cursing at the dandelions like an old man. I'm not going to get dressed up like I'm going to church, Delaney. I'm just killing dandelions. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. No, I fire up my VAC case and I've got a little 30-gallon sprayer that sits on the back. And Mm -hmm. I uh, cruise back and forth over the lawn and uh, spray (laughs) Two four D is what I use the uh, the generic brand from the farm store, and uh, I'm thinking last year I probably didn't have it have my blend ratio quite right because there are a pile of dandelions popping up in my backyard. So so mm. it's on like Donkey Kong, as the kids said 15 years ago. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So what about you? What's going on? Um, the only exciting news I have, I would say, is they're tearing up the parking lot outside of my apartment complex and so i have to park in the street now and that just threw me off this morning oh hashtag first world problems i know that's well terrible. they only gave us a day's notice they said if your car is still in there that sucks to be you really like your your car is trapped in there if you didn't get it yeah out? yep yeah boy nice. you know you ought to just pay twenty dollars less in rent this month and see what they say <laughs> i don't think they'd go for that well, only one way to find out. I'll just run over the cones that they have blocking the entrance. Yeah, that won't upset them at all. That's a great idea. Yeah, no. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. We had a, had a great time yesterday at the Iowa Capitol talking to uh, cattlemen and legislators and getting out and about. But today, Delaney, we're not going to talk cattle, are we? We are not going to talk cattle. We're going to talk pork. Pork indeed, with uh, with good friend, very active social media personality, blogger, commentator, and pork producer, Kristen Clark. I think we should add comedian to her list of attributes, too. Her yeah. Snapchat is hilarious with her son. Yeah, she is definitely worth following, and uh, during the interview, she will give out all of her social media information. But before we get to Kristen, should we talk about the news? Yes, let's talk about the news. Do you want me to just jump right in? Yeah, let's do that. Just jump on in. All right. Well, in Weaver, Iowa, there is the Iowa Fertilizer Company has announced they are starting production. Their ribbon-cutting ceremony was today, I believe, and uh, that is located near Keokuk, Iowa, so pretty southeastern Iowa, and it took them nearly four and a half years to build the plant, but it's a go now. It is going and is producing fertilizer. Yes, and it should bring in 212 people, it says, working in day-to-day operations. Hmm. Okay, so 212 employees down there in southeast Iowa. That would be a mm-hmm. uh, a much-needed boost down there around Keokuk. Right, the definitely. Armed area. to the, yeah, yeah. You hear the banjos playing a little bit when you go down there. No oh. offense to anybody if they are from southeast Iowa. I am also from southeast Iowa. Yeah, I was going to say, how like, far a, is, is the home place um, from Keokuk for you? We're, I want to say like an hour and a half, but there's just a, a running joke in my household 
Uh, my mom's from Bloomfield, which is south of 34. So we always say south of 34 might as well be Missouri, because if you cut off the bottom tier of counties, 34 south, and added them to Missouri, you would raise the IQ of both states. Yes, har, 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 har. As somebody who grew up <laughs> south of Highway 34, south of the town of Thayer, oh. Iowa, I find that uh, offensive because that is God's <laughs> country down there. That is rolling hillsides. Oh, okay. It's good people. Um, you know, they're less concerned about whether or not all the turn signals and lights on their vehicles work. Mm. And it's just yeah. it's a more low-key pace of life. Right. It I is. feel weird yes. living north of I-80 now. <laughs> uh, well, we've gone off on a tangent here. Mike, what do you have for some news? We have. So for news on the, I was going to say on the good news, but it's kind of a mixed bag situation. We had the uh, ethanol stocks report out earlier this morning, and stocks are up. So uh, we've got just about 100,000 more barrels sitting in storage. That is up 4.5% year over year which, you know, not necessarily a good sign. We like to see those stockpiles being drawn down. That's an indication we're utilizing more. The good news from this article comes that uh, domestic plant production, so ethanol plants in this country, are producing 7,000 barrels per day. Um, excuse me. It's up 7,000 barrels per day versus last week, and it is 5.8% higher than last year. We're currently producing 993,000 barrels of ethanol per day, and, excuse me, I had some uh, Fritos chili cheese fries for lunch. Nice. And they are, yeah, they're that delicious really going healthy. down. That really healthy. Well, I'm going to work out later today, so I can yeah, eat whatever okay. I want. Sure. I'm going to have some a Choco Taco, I think, uh, for dessert. <laughs> that sounds absolutely disgusting. I don't even know what that is. Oh, my gosh. All right. Twitter, Facebook folks, write in. Let us know if you know what a Choco Taco is, because Delaney is clearly missing out. They are a, a uh, an ice cream treat. That is just excellent. Oh, but back okay to ethanol. Then. Net refiner and blender inputs, which is a gauge for ethanol demand, is up 4,000 barrels per day. And that is 2.1% over a year ago. So all in all, we are still grinding a huge amount of corn for ethanol, which is what we need to be doing in this uh, saturated corn market. So hopefully that will continue to grow as folks get out and start driving more over the summer, burning more E85 and E15 and uh, genuinely or generally um, Im improving our corn carryout situation. Well, I the rest of the stories I have are all internationally focused. I guess this next update is on the dairy industry. So looking internationally here, President Trump visited Wisconsin on Tuesday. I think specifically he was in Kenosha. And he said that the administration is going to call Canada and get a solution, not just the answer. Just going to ring them up, huh? That's that's what he says. Just going to call them up and get a solution. You know, that's uh, <laughs> hopefully it works. You know, hats off hopefully. to President Trump. Hopefully he'll get on the phone there and with uh, I suppose he's just going to call Justin Trudeau directly. I guess. And get a solution. Is that what he said? That's what he said. All right. Well, uh, fingers crossed. You know, at least we can say he's aware of it, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yes. In uh, other international news, the country of India is uh, looking to increase its own domestic urea production, so they won't be importing anymore. And uh, currently, they produce just about 25 million tons of urea, 
and they consume about 32 million tons. So over the next five years, they want to ramp up production so that they are supplying their own domestic market with their own domestic urea, which, if these numbers are to be trusted, uh, should be freeing up about 9 million tons of urea on the world market, which, in theory, by 2022, should help pressure those fertilizer prices a little bit lower. It increased supply for the rest of us and, uh, you know, maybe help uh, improve some bottom lines a little bit. Well, that's not good news if you're a fertilizer company, but for the rest of us, that does sound like good news. Right. I am not a fertilizer company, uh, <laughs> though I do have a dog who's fertilized the lawn <laughs> in a couple places. Oh. <laughs> and, and cows, I guess I guess maybe yeah. I am a fertilizer producer. All right. Yeah. Right. i got to haul some fertilizer out if this rain will ever quit. That's well, poop, switching Delaney. back up. Yes, I know. Okay. I'm aware. All right. <laughs> switching back to North American news. Um, I think I reported a few weeks ago that Mexico had been looking into doing a trade deal, a bilateral trade deal with Argentina. And so they said Tuesday that they expect the negotiations with Argentina, which would involve cars and agriculture products, to be finished by the end of the year. And so uh, currently Mexico imports $2.3 billion worth of U.S. corn and $1.4 billion of U.S. soy, but it is uh, reported that those numbers will likely decrease if a renegotiation of NAFTA occurs because they're going to have this other market now with Argentina. So that is not really ideal news to report, but unfortunately that's uh, what's going on. Yeah, and you know, we had Elaine Cub on this program two weeks ago, probably, Delaney? Yeah, it seems like it. And we were talking to her about this, and she goes, you know, that's... It's not necessarily that Mexico is going to switch their buying to Argentina. You know, they still have freight to pay. They still have the currency valuations to be concerned with. It's not nearly as efficient as buying from us. But the fact that now they can and they might want to might be enough to spook the market into taking a little more premium out of prices. So that's one of those right. things that we just need to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. I did have one other story for our listeners who are interested in the, more of the hard data type of stuff. If you have never checked out Farm Doc Daily, it's published by the economist, the ag economist at the University of Illinois. Just Google up. I think it's fdd.com, but I'm not sure. Uh, it's Farm Doc Daily. And um, these guys do a tremendous job. They're great economists over there. And uh, today, they posted an article comparing cash rents to, uh, uh, let me pull it up here, uh, analyze the relationship between cash rent and net return to land. And what they've found is that cash rents haven't fallen nearly as much as the net return to land. And so they are looking just at the state of Indiana, but they have said it's it's a very, very good article. It's very, very heavy on the you know, long-term adjustment coefficients range from 0.11 to low productivity land to 0.36 for medium productivity land. It's that kind of stuff. But at the very end, conclusions and implications, they say cash rents in Indiana have dropped approximately 12% since their peak in 2014. The results reported in this article suggest that unless the net return to land improves, unless we see uh, commodity prices rise, another 5 to 10 5 to 10% drop in cash rents is likely. So we're still seeing that pressure being put on our input suppliers across the board, fertilizer, seed, and, of course, cash rents. 
Yeah, you lost me through some of that. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. The you know the the important <laughs> point is that there's probably more. Uh, excuse me. This one came out on April 14th. There's probably more downside to go in cash mm. rents unless we okay. get a surge in commodity prices. And the address is farmdocdaily, F-A-R-M-D-O-C daily dot Illinois dot edu. That's where you can find it. Well, um, I guess I don't really have anything. It's not technically news, but yesterday while we were at the Capitol, I happened to be standing next to Iowa's Agriculture Secretary, Secretary Bill Northey, and I was just picking his brain about a few different things. I asked him if he had any updates on Branstead heading to China. Nothing there. Still waiting for confirmation and hearing and all of that. And then I just... I uh, like to hear about his travels, and he said that they are working with a couple other state agriculture um, groups, Iowa included in that, and then I assume mostly Midwest states that produce. And uh, he said that they are working to cook up an international trip to head to Kosovo, because apparently Kosovo has worked with the U.S. a lot for government and infrastructure um, and political purposes. And so they thought, well, we, we, uh, they have a need for agriculture. It's a lesser developed country in southeastern Europe. And so I think that they are hopefully going to plan a trip to go to Kosovo and uh, work on their agriculture system with them, which I thought sounded pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Any place we can increase demand. You know, we've talked about Cuba and there's not a lot of demand there, but hey, anything we can get sold is one less bushel or head of livestock that we have to try to consume domestically. Yeah, and I don't know. I didn't specify whether it was a trade type of mission, but I think he implied more so that it was an education or outreach or development to help Kosovo build up their agriculture system is what it sounded like to me. Gotcha. More of a goodwill. Let's get them mm -hmm. kind of uh, yeah. more modern. Yeah. All right. Before we get into the markets, Delaney, I just wanted to make a note. We've got a lot of listeners here in the state of Iowa and, of course, in the upper Midwest. And a lot of us are looking at rain. I pulled up the forecast for Iowa this morning, and we are in, I think it's an enhanced risk of severe thunderstorms and possibly tornadoes here through the central Corn Belt. And, um, golly, that uh, should put another slowdown on spring planting, one would assume. Great. Yeah. More rain. More rain. A little, little soggier. Mm -hmm. But we did not see a huge response in the market today as these storms are rolling across. We're still so early in the planting season that we've yet to see much of a bounce. Well, why don't you read the market prices for today then? You got it. So on the corn side, old crop May contract corn was unchanged on the day, finished at 361 and three quarters. December corn closed up a quarter penny, finishing at 386 and a half. On the soybean side, did see a little bit of a bounce, but that trade has just been seesawing back and forth for the past week and a half. May beans up four and a quarter cents, finished at 950 and a quarter. November beans up one and a half, closed the day at 958 and a quarter. On the wheat side, May wheat down three and a half cents, finished at 419 even. December wheat down one and a half, closed at 470 and a half. Looking over at the livestock markets, we did see the Fed Cattle Exchange trade today. There was a few sales that happened right around 128. After that, we've had a lot of offers around 130, particularly in the north, but not a lot of trade has developed. 
Still enough news to keep this market getting stronger on the futures side. April live cattle closed up a dollar fifteen, finished at one seventeen ninety two and a half. June live cattle up another thirty cents, finished at one fifteen ninety five. Feeder cattle, the April contract was unchanged, closed at one thirty eight sixty seven and a half. The May contract up twenty five cents, finished at one forty thirty two and a half. In the hog market, another down day. May contract down a dollar twenty-seven and a half, closed at sixty-five eighty-seven and a half. June live uh, lean hogs down a dollar fifty-five, finished at sixty-nine ninety-five. And in milk, the April contact contract was unchanged yet again at fifteen twenty-four. May milk class three closed down three cents at fifteen eighteen. Well, Delaney, should we go ahead and start talking to Kristen? Let's talk to Kristen. We are joined now by Kristen Clark. She writes the blog Food and Swine, and her and her husband own a hog operation in Runnels, Iowa. Kristen, how are you doing today? Good morning. I am awesome. Maybe a little wet where we're at, but uh, overall, it's a great day in Iowa. Yeah, I was going to say, watching the radar this morning, you guys have been getting rained on for, gosh, several hours already. That's right. I know. You know, it hasn't been too bad where I'm at, but this intermittent rain stuff, you know, just when it starts to dry off and you think you might get something done, there's another cell right on top of you to squash any dreams you may have had to actually accomplish something for the day. <laughs> yeah, it's just soggy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I hate that word. I, I'm going to do away. Soggy, moist. That's the conditions right now, and I, I'm over it. Yep. <laughs> I'm ready for a dry up and uh, ready to, you know, farmers are just happier people when they can get things done. And, you know, getting something done right now is going to require a little bit of sunshine and dry weather, and I'm ready for it. You bet. Mm -hmm, me so. Now, Kristen, tell us a little bit about your story, why you started your blog, kind of what got you into the blogging world, and where it's been going. Okay. Well, starting the blog, Food and Swine, was basically for two reasons in the beginning. It was to keep the stories of our young family on the farm somewhere because I'm a terrible scrapbooker. I tell everyone that. I don't cut. I don't paste. I glue my own fingers together, so that's <laughs> never going to work. And, you know, I've got these little kids growing up, I didn't have any pictures of them saved anywhere. And they're, you know, they're all on a device. So I thought, you know what, I am going to pair up recipes that I'm making for our family or that I'm winning with a cooking contest. So that's the other reason I started I needed somewhere to put my recipes that people were asking for after some success in recipe contests. And at the Iowa State there, I just needed to put them somewhere. So it kind of was a joint effort of, oh, here's some information that I'd like to remember in the future about my kids at this young age, a little bit of humor because a lot of stuff that happens on the farm is quite comical to people that don't do it every day. And uh, getting those recipes on there so Beverly wasn't asking me for them in the communion line at Mass <laughs> on Sunday, is uh, that's the other reason why. But it's nice. Because I don't even remember my own recipes most of the time. So I'm probably the number one user of my blog just because I forget. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
how how has the uh, the so, blog kind of taken on a life of its own since you got it started from those those humble beginnings there, Kristen? It has. It it has. I I never imagined that I'd make a living doing this, but people are genuinely interested in knowing more about where their food comes from, the people that are growing and raising it. And, you know, featuring my own farm is one thing, but I also get a hold of different people and share their experiences through the blog too. So people that come for a soft pretzel, like ballpark style pretzel recipe, get a little slice of farm life in every post and then stick around and, you know, find out what Drew Wires is doing in his cattle operation, my brother-in-law, or Aaron Brenneman's doing in her on her south farm in the farrowing operation. You know, it's 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 kind of a beautiful thing. It's, it's come for the recipe, you stay for a little slice of Iowa farm life, and get a feel of modern agriculture because there's, as we all know, many interpretations of what agriculture is, and many people feel that it should be certain ways, but and and a lot of people feel like you know we should be taking steps back in that big red barn and that the 1950s way of agriculture that just doesn't feed people. So getting everyone's stories out there and making modern ag approachable and easy to understand and the technology um, well approachable just so people can embrace it, I think is is a good thing. And that that's kind of where it all you know, really took off for me. Well, and you talk about modern ag. Kristen, tell us a little bit about your farm operation. You guys are on the hog side. You also have some row crops. So fill us in. What what does the uh, the Clark Farm look like? <laughs> well, the Clark Farm is mostly comprised of pigs. We've got the commercial uh, finishing barn, we'll call them. You know, those pigs would get in from 50 pounds and raised to market weight. Those are as conventional as it can get what you're seeing across Iowa. The other thing that I probably show a lot on the blog is our 20 sow hobby. And I do mean it, it is a hobby. It is not going to make pork to feed anyone outside of my community. You know, not enough pork to do that. But we have the show livestock, seed stock operation for purebred animals. Um, I have a small butcher business that we just do for friends and family, uh, but a lot of what I a lot of what I do with pigs pertains to that, and mm. we try to raise those animals as close and as as close to using modern techniques as possible because that's what works and that's how we can do the best job and raise the best pigs. Kristen, you are also very active on social media, on Snapchat and Twitter specifically. Did that come because of the blog? Did you find that people wanted to just interact with you on a more daily basis? <laughs> well, first off, at the beginning, I kind of thought that social media to promote my blog was an obligation, you know, that I just that it was just something that people did. You know, you have to pick up all your social handles and each year I try to become more proficient at one, you know, I think the first year I did Twitter and the second year I did Instagram. And then this last year has been Snapchat. You know, I just pick one platform and try to get a little bit better at it. I, I don't think it was a response to, you know, people wanting to know more, but it was 
more of an obligation I felt to be able to cross pollinate a little bit and, and promote myself on the different platforms. Snapchat, mm-hmm. I just happen to really enjoy because it is a full frontal assault on whatever you are. You cannot hide. <laughs> if you're on Snapchat, you cannot hide behind pretty Instagram pictures and curated Facebook posts and tweets that are only 140 characters. But you know what I mean? Snapchat mm-hmm. really, it, you get a really good sense of people and it's full disclosure. And that, that's what I tell people, you know, Facebook is grandma worthy for me. Instagram is mom and grandma worthy. Twitter is friend worthy and Snapchat is who I really am. So it's kind of <laughs> And your your Snapchat is filled a lot with your kids. It, it's a lot of the kids. You know, a lot of my family follows it, especially people that don't live around here. So Barrett, my son, tends to do a lot of lip syncing on there. <laughs> I just I just want people to know that I certainly don't take myself too seriously and we just have a lot of fun. And it's okay to have fun and and be light every once in a while, even though farming is a a serious thing and there's a lot of risks involved and stuff. But uh, that we just have fun as a family. And and I like to dog on my husband a lot for wearing holy sweats every day of the year. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, you know, when we're doing stuff with animals or, you know, every every few days if, if we're doing something in the field or I'm helping my dad do something, I mean, God forbid he would ever talk on any of my social media or be present. I mean, he checks my blog every day and Instagram and Twitter just to make sure I'm going to put a picture of him up. Uh, <laughs> but he, yeah, I try to get just a little, you know, the little slice of ag coming through uh, on Snapchat too, because you never know who's watching. Right. Now, Kristen, as a producer with a public face, what issues have you concerned have you nervous about the future of the hog industry is there anything that you're worried about or anything that you're excited about going forward you know my biggest concern and that the thing that i try to involve myself in the most mike and i'm glad you asked is honestly people cooking our product properly because if you're not cooking pork properly it's not going to taste good and you're not going to come back and have that eating experience again. So that's that's the charge I like to lead. You know, that cooking temperature to 145 degrees done this, that medium blush of pink in the center of your pork. I mean, that is probably my biggest passion is to get people to really embrace pork and want to eat more pork. I mean, from a production standpoint, there's obviously things that I think about a lot, but having a food blog that also talks about agriculture, the food component is really important to me and getting people to be comfortable and uh, utilize our product and make it delicious is like I said, what I'm most passionate about. Now, something interesting about that, that 145 for years, wasn't it 160 for pork as the, uh, the doneness temperature. Right. Right. You're right. We've come so far in cleanliness and in, uh, in, raising the animals that now you can cook them at 145 still have that juiciness and uh yeah pork is a lot i think it's a lot more delicious when it's that 15 degrees cooler than when you're you know cooking mm-hmm. the ever-loving life out of it up to uh, <laughs> 160 plus that's right that's right and it's you know that's only been in the last i don't even know when what exact year that came out but it's really been a game changer 
for a lot of people, that 145-degree doneness. And you can ask where at a restaurant, and even the chefs occasionally will look at you or, or even the wait staff will say, are you sure? And then it, it almost is a light bulb off in their head, like, oh, I'm going to try that next time, you know, when I do that. But, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's, modern technology is offering us more delicious eating experiences at the dinner plate, that's for sure. Kristen, uh, speaking about, you know, like the temperature thing and your blog, what feedback have you gotten from people that aren't directly involved in agriculture? Well, feedback. Mm. Feedback is such a broad term. Well, let I me be more specific. I, yeah, be more, tell me what you want. <laughs> um, how about, so... I mean, have you gotten a lot of positive responses or people that oh try God. to fight you on things, or has it mostly been positive? Any any noise that I've ever had, any backlash about our lifestyle or what we do, raising animals for food consumption, you know, mm-hmm. that's only ever come from Internet trolls and just bad people who seek my children out and use their pictures and images and likeness for really bad organizations who are who actively lobby against farming of any kind. Has that actually happened, Kristen? Have you seen it on the internet? Oh my where people God! Are... Yes. Really? Yeah, yeah. They took a picture of my son and put him. I don't. I can't even tell you what image it was right next to, but it was part of uh, Mercy for Animals campaign, and with the help of people, commodity groups, I was able to use their illegal people and relationships at the various, it was mostly on Twitter was where it was located. And they actually did it on my birthday last year, which was even more lovely. Uh, But I was able to get that taken down. You know, when you're trying to talk about what the good things that farmers do, and you're moving the dial a little bit and I just want people to trust what we're doing and that we want to raise animals comfortably for them because it's going to make a better product. And when the people that are totally against, you know, I'm talking the activists, the very radical people, against what we do, when they see that, then obviously they're going to come and attack you. So anything negative has always been from that camp, but I'm talking that's like a 2% one percent situation everything else has been positive and you know i've had questions that people have posed in a lot on snapchat because and it's wonderful because i can walk right out to the barn and address that send them a video back and say no this is thanks for the question this is actually what a farrowing stall looks like let's walk through it what other questions do you have and there's a lot of back and forth that goes on with that and the video platform like that you can really get a good firsthand account of what's going on. Uh, But yeah, tons of feedback from people who have never been on a farm before, which is great. You know, they can kind of live vicariously through the Snapchat or the Twitter or the Periscope or whatever that everyone has and have those experiences without us having to put them, you know, through the motion of biosecurity and getting Tyvek suits and, you know, their booties on in our farm. You know, it's just safer, it's better for our animals herd health and everything, uh, but it also gives that consumer the experience of being there without actually having to be there. 
Yeah, it gives them a little bit of a, a little bit of insight. Yeah, a little bit of insight. All yeah, I I'm not I don't like that word educate. I'm not here to educate people. I just want to give their I just want to be a resource. If they do have questions that they can be comfortable in asking me and if I don't have the answer, I'm gonna be able to find someone who can provide them an answer. That's all. Kristen, really quick before we let you go, for our listeners who are on social media, where can they follow you on Snapchat, Instagram, and Twitter? All right. A lot of my social handles are at food and swine. On Snapchat, you know, when I started that, it was going to be just, you know, what I do with my friends and family. Well, then it transpired into something completely different, and it's it's totally a part of the blog. But Snapchat handle is Kristen C. Clark. And it's definitely hard to spell. So if you hop onto Twitter, I'll share my code and make sure that that is out there. Um, a lot of work that I do is with the Iowa Food and Family Project, too. So a lot of things that I write are at uh, iowafoodandfamilyproject.com. It's a good time. It's, it, there's never a bad time to advocate for farmers who are growing food and that are just really good people in the state that we live in. All right, Kristen. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today and uh, keep us updated on any big blog posts that you think we should promote to our listeners or anything new that's coming in the pork industry that we should be aware of. You betcha. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much, Kristen. Always good to talk to you. Well, Kristen, thanks again so much for taking a little bit of time of of your day. You know, she... uh, when we called her this morning, she was she was running around trying to find good cell phone service, which is sometimes <laughs> a challenge when you are out in rural America. So we're so thankful that she was able to uh, to find a hilltop and uh, and talk to us a little bit this morning. That's right. And if you don't follow Kristen on social media yet, definitely do that. I follow her on all platforms, and I would recommend Snapchat the most. It's definitely the most comical, but she always has lots of Um, Twitter followers, people interacting with her. And so I'm sure she would love to hear from our listeners. That's right. And listeners, we hope you will stick around with us through the rest of the week. We have a couple more fantastic interviews. We'll be talking tomorrow with Naomi Bloom of Stuart Peterson up in Wisconsin. We'll talk milk yet again. We'll get her thoughts on the dairy market going forward. We'll talk all the other markets. We'll talk what's going on in global trade. And then on Friday... We will be playing our interview with uh, Iowa Senator Joni Ernst. And Joni was in the news this morning. Delaney, did you see that? Yeah, I saw that you sent me that article. Yeah, she uh, she commented. She said she's a little a little uneasy with President Trump traveling down to Mar-a-Lago um, every so often. Uh, mm. Because, you know, we have the White House. Taxpayers are already paying right. for a place for you to live. Um, and I thought that was a really good point from a, from a senator who is very fiscally uh, responsible. You know, let's try to conserve these taxpayer dollars. So we will get Joni's thoughts on that, as well as on uh, the water waterkeeper versus EPA lawsuit and the farm bill. She is, of course, very active in that negotiation. That's right. But to make it easier on you, why don't you just go into iTunes and subscribe to us? If you haven't done it already, please do it. And also rate and review us so that we know if we're doing a good job. You can also find us on social media, on Facebook and Twitter. Ag News Daily is our handle for both. 
And please feel free to comment, like, and share anything we've done and give us suggestions about who you want to hear on the Ag News Daily Podcast.